Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello! Hello! How are you, Dal? Oh, I'm great. How are you? You look good. Looking refreshed. Yes, four days in um, Bangkok. That's what it will do. <laughs> Come back a new person. No. How was it? It was amazing. I loved it. I haven't been to um, Bangkok before, so um, it was really good. We only got about half a day to ourselves um, before the meeting, but it was really good. The food's really good, and the people are so lovely, um, and the fruit is amazing. <laughs> The fruit. Yes, the fruit. Um, it tastes like I had pineapple. And then, you know, a few months ago, I bought pineapple and I ate it, but it was so sour. But anyway, this pineapple had no sourness. Just so you know. Okay. <laughs> so uh, with all its attributes, fruit is also one of them. So, yes, it was awesome. I would definitely go back for like a proper holiday, I think. Oh, cool. And what, what's your favorite food? What did I? Oh, <laughs> sounds stupid, but um, the the pad thai that I had there was so good. Does it sound stupid? Because pad thai is like I don't know the national dish almost of Thailand, yeah. and you wouldn't eat it here. We've got so much Thai food that you wouldn't eat pad thai. Exactly. I've had it here for a very long time for that reason. Yeah, yeah. but I bet it's amazing there. Yes, romantic. Yeah. Now you're making me hungry for pad thai. I know, and it's, and it's, yeah, too early in the morning for that, but yes, that was amazing. And you? Um, I did the, the day that's, the day, the race that stops the nation, as oh, they call yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. That was interesting. I'd never done one of these afternoons before. It was a beautiful day. It was gorgeous. It was like the sun was out. I wore my African print dress, yeah. which I hardly wear which was lovely, although I lost my head, the head bit, the head tie, I couldn't find it, I think I lost a few things when I moved, it's very strange, I can't find a few things, so like I said, it was beautiful, the food, we had this amazing food at this restaurant down at Woolloomooloo, incredible, it was like, I don't know, four or five courses or something, delicious, um, and then obviously the race is on. There's races all day, actually. I didn't realize. Mm. And then I did put a bet on, didn't win anything, <laughs> which is fine. And yeah, it's just a really lovely afternoon just because it was sunny. I got to meet new people, mm. new and interesting people. Um, and the food was amazing. And I got to wear my, my outfit. So I was very happy. Nice. Fancy. Mm, fancy. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit fancy. So, I am excited. Are you excited? I am excited. Yes, also excited. Also excited. We have a new guest speaker today. Uh, I know, I know. And like, we are very privileged to be speaking with Steph Fenton. Whose pronouns are they and them? And they are co-pastor and co-founder of New City Church, an inclusive community exploring faith in a new and engaging ways. At 23, 
they came out as gay and 10 years later started exploring gender affirmation a gender queer as a gender queer person after experiencing a lot of exclusion and discrimination in churches Steph is now an advocate speaker and writer who shares the intersections of being trans and Christian Steph was the co-founder and chair of Equal Voices Sydney an interdenominational network of LGBTIQA plus Christians and allies across Sydney and they recently graduated with a Master of Divinity. Oh, that, that was a thing. And Steph is passionate about sharing stories, creating safe spiritual spaces for LGBTIQA plus people and cultivating a more equitable and expansive faith. Yeah. So we are very excited to talk to them. They have a, few, they have a blog, they have a website. Yes, I've checked out the website. I've checked out the website. And, mm-hmm. and they are here. So can I invite them in? Ready? Yes. Hello. 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 How are you both? We're wonderful. I was like, wow, you've got a professional yes, setup going on better than ours. This is uh, my housemate also podcasts. Yeah. And so I just asked them if I could get wow. on in. Oh, we need <laughs> so to, I've just we like need plug, plugged my, my laptop in and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome we need to ask your 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 um housemate if we can come around and use them yeah <laughs> good. tracy's laptop is in the fridge my laptop's in the fridge we had a little problem <laughs> oh no when we were starting today i had to put my laptop in the fridge overheated um, no way it wouldn't start so i know i probably need a new laptop but luckily i have a spare one that i use for other work activities so I was able to say ah get the other one so anyway we're good we're all good but laptop in the freezer we're all good yeah (laughs) (laughs) the fridge whatever yeah yeah exactly so thank you for being here being our guest thanks for having me oh we are so excited and we did introduce you before we get into the question, I just wanted to know, what did you think of the questions that I sent you? Yeah, I really like them. Yeah. Okay. I was like, she didn't go, oh my goodness, what are these? Oh, good. No, the only thing that I was thinking was um, uh, the order of one of the questions is, um, so it's what's the story behind you becoming a genderqueer pastor? Mm-hmm. Um and that probably feeds into the next question quite a bit of um, experiencing discriminatory attitudes. So I'm probably going to answer. That's fine. We that we question. work that. Even but if I you can... answer the questions, we just we just work around it. It's all good. It's just yeah, great, general. great, great. Yeah, yeah, all good, all good, all good. Amazing. <laughs> good going with the flow. Yeah, very good at going with the flow. It's, yeah. it's like my superpower. <laughs> We'll just figure it out as we go. You know, you your laptop overheats and dies <laughs> in the fridge. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Steph. So the the question, the first question that we have for you is: When did you know you were non-binary, and how did you tell people? It's been a pretty recent part of my life and story and experience is discovering that I'm genderqueer, non-binary, gender fluid. Uh, yeah, there were a few indications along the way, but then coming to really accept that and know, oh, that's that's who I am and finding a label like non-binary, genderqueer and being like, oh, that's me, mm-hmm. um, was a few, few significant things was I was asked my pronouns at a conference for the first time and felt really uncomfortable and thought, oh, she, her feels like I'm being really boxed in and, oh, why does that feel so constrictive? Like, gosh, I've, I've never been asked my pronouns before and been asked to say, what is your gender? Like, what are your pronouns? Um, and feeling incredibly uncomfortable of that experience. Uh, so that was a significant kind of thing that springboarded me into reflecting maybe a little bit more uh, intensely about it, but it was really in hearing the the stories of other people and their experiences of, uh, you know, undertaking gender-affirming healthcare and 
um, yeah, just that really um, kind of oddly identifying like, oh, that's, that's me. And I remember a car ride with some friends where we were listening to a podcast of someone who was trans and I was like, okay, can we just pause here? Um, is everyone everyone identifying with this uh like this is everyone in here is really identifying with this right uh and they were like no we that's not our experience of of gender or feeling uncomfortable or um wanting to uh really express like a typically male or masculine um identity uh yeah (laughs) and I was like oh okay, I think this might be something that's unique to who I am and not everyone feels like this. Mm. And a friend of mine actually really beautifully, um, as I was processing that, said, uh, Steph, you you actually get to choose your gender. And so a few like significant uh, little pieces really helped me go, oh, okay, um, I can be free of... Uh, something that I've just been assigned my whole life and thought that's who I am to actually really figuring out that inside I've always felt differently about my gender and always wanted to be perceived differently and express myself differently. And uh, I can do that. Uh, and finding the label non-binary and genderqueer, gender fluid really um, kind of yeah, just just sensing that my my experience of gender is quite fluid and um, queer. So yeah, and doesn't fit into one of those binaries. Um, was yeah, that that was kind of it. Um, and I think the second part was how did I tell people? I told people slowly, and I told my safe people first, uh, and then went out. And now I'm kind of quite public about it. But having those core group of people. Um, who sort of get it and know it um, was really important first. And a friend of mine actually uh, initiated a conversation with me and said, would you like to use different pronouns? Because I think that might be your experience. And so, yeah, having people around like that was um, really important for me. Oh, wow. And I know, Mina, you, you want to ask the next question, but I just thought of something. And then, and we talked about this in the podcast last week. You've come out, how old are you now? Can I ask? Um, Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm 33. So for the, before you um, got comfortable with these these this description, these labels of yourself, gender queer, gender fluid, non-binary. What pronouns were you using then? Yeah, so I was assigned female at birth, so okay. I was using she/her pronouns, and you know, presumed to be female. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'd I'd come out as gay like 12 years ago always felt really uncomfortable with female gendered queer labels so lesbian or um yeah I don't know like that okay. I was I was like oh no I gay feels better uh there's something about lesbian that feels uncomfortable and now like, oh it was a it was a gender thing oh okay mm. it's good because you you're helping us understand as well as well as maybe people listening we we were talking specifically about a scenario where somebody had trans some a transgender person um who changed their name and their gender was referred to in their previous pronoun their previous name accident well we whether accidentally or not and we're wondering does does that happen to you and how does that make you feel if it yeah does? yeah i think um i think particularly at the start of my journey there were some people who I was out to who were using they, them pronouns. Um, and, and really for me, what uh, my friend was, my friend who initiated that conversation then started using they, them pronouns for me. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh gosh, this actually feels really good. I feel like I'm seen and known in a way that feels really good. Like uh, the only way I can really describe it is like, oh gosh, that feels good um, to be referred to in that way that, um, just feels right. And then as more and more people get led in on that journey and more and more people are referring to you in the way that you um, feel good and that's like yourself reflected back. People are uh, reflecting you back to them in the way that they're referring to you with pronouns. Uh, and for people who change their name, it would be the same. Uh, then uh, it becomes increasingly harder to hear 
the opposite or or some other reference to you because you've really um, kind of integrated a part of yourself and that's now being acknowledged socially as well. Mm-hmm. So then, um, yeah, it, it, it can be, it become it becomes increasingly grinding then to hear people refer to you in a different way because you're like, that's, oh, that's not me. And actually um, when those experiences can be related to like um, experiences in people's bodies of being really uncomfortable in their bodies, which was for me, I, uh, I experienced a lot of like body and gender and chest dysphoria particularly. So then all of that becomes magnified in that moment of like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's really hard to hear you referring to me in that way. And it brings up so much discomfort and like, it's just really jarring um, because you've found um, like a really authentic version of yourself um, in this space. And then over here, it's like, oh gosh. Um, Yeah. It's like not really being seen or someone actually, yeah, someone kind of, yeah, it's like even even harder than that though. Um, I'm trying to. It's hard to find the words for it. Mm, mm. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And and do people? Does it happen where occasionally you get referred to in pronouns that are not yours? So part of my journey is I was really uncomfortable with she her pronouns. Mm. Um, that was when, and then that brought up a lot of, um, as I mentioned, like. Uh, kind of discomfort in my body because I realized um, how much um, like gender dysphoria I was experiencing like physically and it'll be different for everyone. You know, some people are very comfortable in their bodies and the social affirmation is uh, the only thing that they kind of need. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me it was, yeah, I was really uncomfortable with how my chest looked. I've, I've, um, kind of started on a medication that made me put on a little bit of weight that accentuated my curves. And I was like, Oh, whoa, I'm really uncomfortable with, um, like a typically feminine, um, body shape. Um, and so, yeah, I can't remember what the original question was, but (laughs) I was, I was asking because we had the scenario where someone was referred to someone had changed, um, to he, him, and somebody prefer, referred to them as she, her. And I was asking if that, if you'd had that experience after, you know, deciding that this is who I am now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that that's where I was. Thank you for the reminder. Um, now I affirmed a lot of my, so I've had top surgery and I've started taking testosterone and I've seen a lot of changes in my body and I feel so much more at home in my body and really comfortable and actually like, yeah, I my girlfriend jokes that like my bedtime routine is I then look at my chest in the mirror because I just I I love it so much. Like I'm so happy looking in the mirror now. I used to be so like it used to be so hard to look in the mirror mm-hmm. uh, and not see myself reflected back. Uh, and it's kind of wild now to really see myself as I've always internally seen myself. Now it's like oh there you are. Like that's amazing. Uh, and that's gender euphoria. That's the experience of gender euphoria is finally finding that. But all of that to say is now I've become a lot more comfortable with any pronouns. Okay. Um, and I think that's, yeah, gender, I think that's like gender being something that's not static or it, it might be for some people, but for other people, it really is a kind of something that can shift and change. And for me, that's definitely the case is I'm still kind of exploring and journeying and um, yeah, it's not like, you know, I kind of say like I'm, I'm on a train, but I don't know where I'm getting off or, but it's, that feels too linear itself. <laughs> um, and yeah, anyways, so yeah. Wow. Okay. I really want to just thank you for sharing that with us. That's really interesting and really, I don't know, maybe I think it's brave. Maybe, you, maybe it's not to you, but I think so. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. I've become more comfortable sharing. And it's nice to invite people who are curious and who uh, want to know more so that they can kind of understand. I think that that's 
you know, there are people who want to ask you questions that are invasive or, you know, but it doesn't come from a place of generosity or curiosity. It comes from a place of um, kind of fear or um, hurt. And so I think it really, people's intentions are important in this space. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. We talked about that as well. It's the intention behind the questions that makes the difference and how it's perceived. Mm. Yeah, even in the um, in the scenario where we talked about where they used the wrong pronouns, we, it was also about intention, wasn't it? Mm. Whether it was accidental or, or whether they were trying to pull that person back to, you know, something that they didn't want to be. Um, what is the story behind the genderqueer pastor journey? So it's hard to summarise, but I'll try to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So I I grew up in church, uh, specifically in uh, Anglican churches, and my dad was the minister, and he still is a minister in that denomination. So I was very involved from a young age in church, um, and faith has always been really significant in my life. Um, the the genderqueer aspect comes in uh in my 20s i came out as gay and then uh you know f- kind of fumbled through a church that didn't see those two parts of myself being able to coexist in that space so being queer and being christian um the the way that the church sees it is that they they cannot go together or to come out as any form of queer is you must resist that because that's not natural, that's sinful, that's something negative uh, and you spend all of your time um, trying to get rid of this thing which you think is so wrong about you. So there was a lot of uh, shame and I've, I've kind of written about this in a really early blog of mine talking about how you feel like two parts of yourself are just being ripped in two different directions um, of like really trying to figure out how do these two things about me go together. Um, it was uh, a few years into kind of really trying to fight a part of my identity and really trying to resist and follow the church's teachings and say, okay, if this is going to be something that's, um, that's wrong and bad and sinful and going to separate me from God, then I'll try my best to get rid of this part of myself. Um, and after a few years, I just was exhausted. There was nothing left in me. I was like, I actually can't, do this. I've pursued this as far as I can and I can't get rid of this thing. I have to figure out how these apparently two opposing parts of myself can live in this body with me because um, I just like, there's, there's no road further. Um, And so, yeah, then I started kind of reading beyond um, my specific church and their kind of interpretation of scripture, um, scripture in the Bible and the interpretation was really important to my upbringing. Um, and just realized that there is such a breadth of faith outside of the one that I grew up in and that people think all sorts of different things. And, um, when all parts of the church and all parts of the family of God are involved in the creation and the making of the tradition, you find a really beautiful faith. Uh, And there are lots of beautiful, diverse conversations about God on like all parts of the world happening. Uh, One of them being that, you know, being queer is actually a gift and um, something that can be embraced and brought really authentically into your faith. Um, And so kind of sideline to that, I was experiencing so much discrimination and exclusion in my church. I was doing a lot of advocacy at all levels, trying to share stories and say, like, people are experiencing a lot of harm. People are finding that, um, you know, this, this praying this thing away is not working. It's not actually doing anything. And it's just leading people to a place where, Um, you know, they're losing themselves and, uh, you know, the mental health and suicide and suicidality statistics reflect the experiences of queer people in churches of uh, just 
the violence and the harm of those beliefs on people. Um, but yeah, I realized that um, after years and years of advocacy in that space that, um, yeah, they, they actually weren't interested in changing at all. It was all kind of lip service. You know, they would have the conversations. They'd be like, yeah, we, you know, we, we really believe that everyone should be here, but in practicality, you're not willing to actually make hard change and you won't actually listen or respond. And, you know, I feel completely, um, completely like hurt and let down by you in the fact that I'm here using my energy and my resources, my limited energy and my resources to have this conversation with you to say, hey, we can do better. And actually I am one of you, even when you don't say that I am, but I want us to be better, um, that you aren't interested or that you won't take that step back towards me. Um, and that's a really hard thing to discover that, you know, all this time that you've invested and this whole world that you kind of are part of, I, there's no space for me anymore. This actually, nothing ends well if I stay. Mm. Um, so kind of the, the beautiful flip side to that story is um, there are so many other people who are in that space as well. Uh, and the church has become particularly in Sydney and particularly in the Anglican church, more and more um, small and small-minded and black and white and constricted and less people feel like they can be themselves in that space. And so there were a lot of people outside who um, or on the margins of those spaces who were seeking something different and seeking something more. Uh, and so a bunch of beautiful friends and I started our own church and, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of queer people, a lot of people, queer people in their families, a lot mm. of people who, um, are from those, those mainline denominations and really just reached the end point in those spaces. And we're like, yeah, let's, uh, let's do this together in a way that is more free and liberating and genuinely like where people feel like they have equal ownership in this space, uh, and equal belonging to, Yeah. Wow. That is a long story. <clears throat> no, it's great. I mean, <clears throat> that's amazing um, that you took that journey and made that decision. I'm just, I'm just curious. It's like you said you did all this advocating um, for change, I imagine. What, what specifically were you advocating for? I was, um, I was basically being told stories about myself and – um, so there were, I guess there were ideas and there were understandings about me being told to me. So, um, your relationship with your girlfriend is something that's inherently wrong. And like, there's really harmful words like disordered and distorted and, um, like abomination, like they're, they're huge. And like, evil, you know, there's, there's oh, wow. huge words mm. on people's experiences of, um, you know, being trans or, uh, sexuality diverse in any way. Um, so like this, this force of bad is in you mm. and, um, like it, it's pretty wild. Mm. Um, but I think I, I think my, then my experience of those things was completely different. I was experiencing connection and intimacy and love and, uh, you know, in a space that where um, my acceptance was conditional on who I am. Actually, there were relationships where, and, and communities where, like communities of queerness where I was really accepted for all parts of myself. And I thought that, that actually, there's something here that doesn't feel right something feels off. And I started to poke back on some of these questions and say, you know, look at it, that does, you know, the way that you're talking about me isn't my experience. And I think we need to have a broader conversation. And I just realized that, um, they would, they were kind of just making it up. And when I started to prod a little further, they would refer to other people's opinions. And I was like, it sounds like you're just kind of pulling, at like at straws or I don't know what that that mm. saying is, but um, just really tried really unraveled um, that this thing doesn't feel trustworthy anymore. And it was 
my own faith that actually pushed me through that of, um, you know, you're saying that my, that, that my kind of salvation, and there's a whole bunch of theological language in here, but you're saying that my salvation and my relationship with God uh, is all on me and how I approach my queerness and, and whether or not I choose to like pursue this or not was the language. Mm. Um, whereas my belief and the faith that I've grown up in is that like, Jesus holds it all together and actually, you know, I rest on, on Jesus for my salvation. I rest on Jesus for my life. Um, and that actually that's a, that's an incredible amount of peace and rest for me is that actually I will be imperfect and I will get things wrong, but there's always forgiveness and there's always grace and there's always compassion because, um, like you aren't perfect. Um, so there were different things like that, that, um, yeah, I was like, there's, big holes here and mm. um yeah not good answers and this can't be all there is because this just feels off wow okay that's really helps us understand and explain i really it must it just kind of been easy i imagine it's kind of been easy growing up in a community where i imagine you have really close bonds and with people lots of people um and, I, and, you know, I don't know about your family, if, if it was the same kind of attitude um, to be held in such a low regard, almost um, having those things said to you. I can't even comprehend because I've always said to, I always say to people, um, there's that old saying, sticks and stones doesn't break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And that's true and not true. Um John Smith walks by, I don't know who he is, and he says, you're this, you're that, you're her. Yeah, maybe, I, it doesn't affect me. But if people I care about, people I've grown up with, people in my community, people I trust and respect, say things like say things like that about me, would really, that would wound me considerably. And I just think what you've done with that and where you are with that, how far you've come is just incredible. Yeah, thanks, Tracy. I think there's also, uh, and yeah, it is, it's it's horrible to consistently and only hear those um, those messages about yourself. It's hard for them not to become internalized and for you to think I am the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the added level of, you know, in faith spaces and religious spaces of these words actually being like what the divine thinks about you, about yeah. the the being that has um, created and is in and throughout and intrinsic to the world, if that's your worldview, um, to think like the ultimate kind of creator or, or, or um, being who is good mm. thinks this about you. Like that is so weighty um for then how you feel about yourself and who you believe yourself to be and then what you think you're worth when you um engage in the world yeah it's it's a lot mm. it is a lot it's a lot and how would you like can you think of specific how you handled it then that kind of narrative about yourself like how did you genuinely handle it then and how would you handle it now? I think for me, I trusted my leaders for quite a long time and, you know, they would tell me this is us loving you and this is us wanting the best for you and this is us actually really wanting you to be right with God and connect with God. And so I I think for a while I I really tried Um and I really, yeah, I guess, I guess I, there was a lot of respect that I had for them. And, um, but then also at the same time, I did this really firm foundation of what I felt to be right and wrong. And that was intrinsically tied to my faith and the fact that, you know, some of those narratives that they were, they were saying about me, it was like, actually, no, uh, I know that God says that everyone is made in in their image and everyone bears the image of the divine and has that on them and that that makes them intrinsically 
worth and and equally worth the same as anyone else mm. and that uh that that love is greater and uh that you know yeah lo- love will always be bigger and there's always space for you <laughs> in the life of god that sounds like an amen from the back yeah say <laughs> amen hendy says amen <laughs> yes um sorry Kate, no no not at all so yeah so i guess back then i I I kind of just stood in my lane, like I kind of stood in my lane a little bit, but in a way that felt like I had to, like I had my head down a bit and, um, and I was just like one, one step forward, this is really hard and I'm not sure how we get through here, but there are, there are really foundational things that say that I'm not, you know, I'm not, this is not all the whole story and I I don't think that this is that this is right there's something wrong here but I'm not sure what mm. I think um now I and so yeah so I just kept on kind of forging space and people would just say look you keep showing up to church and even though you know yet last week or you know last month I saw you leading the service and I saw you really involved in the church service and now like kind of a month later you're not involved at all, but you're still here. And that's because I wasn't allowed to like people, you know, people would say your, you know, your leadership is something that will lead people astray. Like your, your um, presence in this space will have a negative impact on this community. That's, that's the message that you receive because you're, you're queer and you're choose, choosing to act on it or choosing to pursue it by being in a relationship, you know, or by transitioning. Oh. Um. So, but yeah, kind of just, kind of just still sticking it out there and being present um, because, you know, I knew that there was something more. Um, and, and so, and I think people respected me a lot for that and really just kind of, you know, there was something there in that space that was still like kind of a bit of a, a quiet resistance or something like that. Um, but since then I've now found language for all of those experiences of the, the power hierarchies that were happening and, the way that the um, kind of interpretation of scripture and the way that Christianity is practiced in those spaces is controlled by um, a very small misrepresentative minority of that community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there are so many other voices, um, you know, of people who interpret scripture and who say like, this is how Christianity can be embodied. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just like, yeah, to, to understand that, that that's what was happening at that time that like, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not being told, what God thinks about me, I'm being told what white privileged men think that God thinks about me. You know, that's what I know now. And so Mm. I'd be able to name that. Um, And I'd be able to name the the gaslighting to say, you know, when you say this is love, you're gaslighting me because I I know that I walk away from those meetings and I feel horrible Mm. and like, I feel so hurt and harmed by you, but you're telling me it's love. You're really like, you're, you're telling me to stop trusting this intrinsic knowing that, that, it, that I'm like, that's not loving. It's not. Yeah. And, and really just to name the, the violence in those spaces of exclusion and, and gaslighting and hierarchy and, you know, discrimination and really finding language for, for the way that you're being treated and, so now it's actually to name it for what it is because, um, but not just that, but actually to say, but you can do better if you want to. Like, it's not like, you know, I- I'm still out here saying, I really want you to be better. Like, ultimately, I want to stop the harm. And I'm here because in this space, because I still believe that we can be good as a church and that the the story of God and the story of the Christian faith and who Jesus is and what Jesus brings to the world, I, I think I still think that's a good thing. We just need to do better in the way that we um, kind of interpret that and practice that. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Okay. So you've pretty got it down pat how you'd respond now. Yeah. 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 I've I've got some uh got some harsh clear words. Um but hopefully with um some sprinkling of of grace and invitation. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> oh, let me see. I guess what would be good to just now maybe finish it with is if you tell us a little bit about your church and your congregation. I love my church and I love our community. Um, they are a group of people who live in the most authentic and genuinely loving ways that I've kind of encountered. And I do groups of, of friends who do that um, in other spaces. I think it's not just exclusive to um, to church where you can find that. Um, but people who, yeah, people who live with, you know, complex mental health challenges and, uh, who've experienced a lot of trauma and the experiences that I was, that I've kind of talked about of this gaslighting and abuse and who come from families who, when they come out, will tell them, you no longer have a space in this home anymore. Um, who, you know, when they come out, their whole communities exclude them and say, you don't belong here anymore. Um, to then show up in a space which is called church and, um, you know, where where we say God is here and we engage with the Bible and we engage with um, communion or like the Lord's Supper um, and and singing and praying and those things are fraught and difficult. People keep showing up because, um, because they, they really believe in something more and something greater and that it's worth being there for and that the people around them um, are worth showing up for as well. Mm. And so it really is, um, you know, I think that when the, when the sum of something is greater than its parts, that's where I see the divine. Um, and when this kind of thing that happens when people do life together or um, come together to do something really beautiful and something shows up in that space that's sort of bigger than the, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. If you kind of individually had those people together, you know, that's where I really see God is in the the life that kind of, uprises out of that space uh, or was like in that space um so yeah yeah that's how I feel about church people people just uh exploring in freedom what it means to live faith and connect with God and reclaim um traditions um maybe maybe that means actually um naming that that practice will never ever be helpful to me anymore and so I just need to leave it aside and I need to lean into to bushwalking and finding awe in nature for now because you know any of the other stuff is just too much right now but committed to doing that in a community is really beautiful oh sounds amazing and so your church you is called New City Church is that right New City Church yes yep yep and so our values are Jesus, justice, and community, but we also have some other ones like safety and hospitality and leadership, um, where we want to be safe and hospitable and also, yeah, that, that space of inviting other people to see that church can be done differently and to kind of lead others in that way. I think we really captured something very unique. Um, yeah, I think as well the fact that People will say they they don't they don't feel like they have to show up believing anything or subscribing to any belief. You know, you can think whatever you want. It's not something where you're told this is Christian faith. This is what you have to think if you're Christian, or this is what you have to do if you're Christian. It's a space where um, we acknowledge that people all kinds of experiences with God and the fact that people have different ways of being Christian and engaging with the the story of God is a reflection of how expansive. God is not something to be feared that like it has to be done in this way and we have to know it only in this way mm. and that anything else is to be feared actually when you let go of that and you realize you know the the different types of ways that people can experience God that can be such a beautiful expansive thing um so yeah yeah wow and what's the size of your congregation right now we fluctuate a bit yeah um Again, people 
people are very welcome not to come every week because church can be hard. And, um, yeah, so we might go from like, I think we had our biggest service the other week, which was 45 people. Mm -hmm. Um, there might be like 20 to 40, I guess on a, on a Sunday afternoon. Um, yeah, yeah. And then some other stuff that happens outside of that. So for some people, the, the Sunday service won't be a comfortable space to walk into because that comes with a lot of, um, baggage. Yeah. Um, so we try to have other spaces where people can come along for a beach day or, um, you know, we have some storytelling nights here and there, or, um, just try and do things. So if church feels too much, then there's other ways to connect in. Wow. Very inclusive. Very inclusive. I really like that idea. Oh, Steph, Steph, we've talked to you for hours, honestly. And I could talk to you. Yeah. I I feel like I've really, really rambled this morning. No, no, you, we, we've learned a lot from you um, for sure. And I really hope that you're sharing your stories helps, helps others who might be going through similar things. I really, really do appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much, Steph. I really appreciate the invite and um, yeah, being able to share with you and your people. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Been a delight. All right, Steph. I will let you go and enjoy your day, your weekend. You're going away, right? Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm flying to Thailand tomorrow. I'm actually supporting someone who's getting dendro affirming surgery there. So it's like kind of a holiday, but kind of not. So it feels kind of weird. People are like, you're going away. I'm like, yeah, but also I'm kind of... You know, it's not really yeah. a holiday, but it kind of is. Anyways, yeah. Well, Mina will say the Pad Thai. She just got back from Thailand. Oh, amazing. Okay, good. Yes. Um, and it was, for me, it was for work. So, yeah, again, I was like, I had half a day to experience as much of Bangkok as I could. So, <laughs> Great. so eat the yeah, it might be, might be similar <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Great. Okay, try the Pad Thai. Got it. Thank you. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Steph. So lovely to meet with you. So nice to chat. And uh, I'll chat to you soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Steph. Talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, that was cool. That was very cool. It was actually, I can see you again emotional and Mm. reliving some of that discrimination Mm. bias. And I can't even, it's just so hard. Like, at least for me, most, for the most part, I'm not comparing my situation to hers. I'm just my experience of discrimination, bias and prejudice and uh, even violence, which I would have experienced. At, at least it was not, it wasn't people that I trusted and cared about and were close to me. Yeah. You know, people I trusted and care about close to me, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, I felt pretty accepted and loved in that, in that space for who I was. I don't know, but uh, that that's on another level. Mm. Not to lose your faith in the meantime during that process as well, I think it's pretty amazing. Absolutely, because um, a lot of people probably do Yeah, um, think that the if this is what their faith is and I don't want it mm. kind of attitude, mm. whereas she's explored the faith deep more deeply to understand where these attitudes come from and whether or not they're really part of the faith mm. I think it's not but personally I'm yeah I'm not um not someone who believes specifically in God from a very young age I felt like because I was brought raised in the in the Christian faith in Catholicism mm-hmm. and a lot of my family are and still do but I just felt from a very young age that because I was exposed to different religions. I went, there was like um, Hindus in my school, there was Muslims in my school. Um, and then there was, there was always the whole Ang- not Anglican Church of England mm. kind of side of things as well. And I just felt like, well, they're all different and slightly the same. And no, and I didn't believe one was right. Mm. Yeah. So I think if, so that's kind of where I kind of didn't believe in God. 
I believed in something bigger than myself, some divine thing mm. creates everything. I just did, decided not to label it God, decided to label it the universe, mm. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I still do think there's so many com common, it's the things that are common to religion that I feel that may, there may be truth to. But I also feel like a lot of it's man-made interpretation yeah. of how you should behave and how you should act, which doesn't yeah. necessarily... More controlling uh, than... Yeah. Yeah. Some of it, I can you can you can probably work back through the ages and see that, that had a practical um, value to that belief, like not eating pork. Might the pork might be infested mm. with worms and not very good, so it was it wasn't a good thing to eat pork. Or I mean, they might, I obviously don't know enough about it, but there's you often when you trace back, there's usually really good practical reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, that was amazing. I really love speaking to Steph. <laughs> She taught me so much today. Um, uh, it's just really cool, incredible. What did I have? A what will you do? Because oh. yeah, we can wrap up. Yeah, for you, what would you do? Before <laughs> I go in the what would you do? Is there anything else you want to say about that that chat we just had? Um, I I think maybe I know a little bit more about um. Well, I didn't specifically ask them about the difference between um gay and queer but I guess queer is more to do with your gender um and not affirming mm. uh, as opposed to gay which is more about sexuality right yes that's the impression I got as well yes, exactly hmm. no interesting but I know. they've done amazing work that's amazing the negativity that they've experienced I just think it's people should not have to experience that no um and, and then you told you're simple and you know it's abomination not natural terrible terrible things to say to anyone you know um just and especially because it's not based on you know, it's it's really false. Yeah, um, it's very false. Exactly. <sighs> and it's odd to me that people can't see the harm that they're doing, mm. you know, and st still keep pushing that ideology. Yeah. I think, this, honestly, this might sound silly, but for me, this this is the simplest. This is the simplest ideal I carry, love. Mm. Does everything you say and do um, reflect love? Mm. Yeah. Um. And somebody say, well, that's very ideal or a very simplistic way. But if that's how that's always what I come back to and I think mm. about my views and um, how I treat other people. I'm not saying I'm perfect because I ain't. Mm -hmm. But that's how I approach life. Mm. Um, love, compassion. And like even confronted with like things that I don't agree with, and, you mm. know, like murder and and things like that I always feel like there's there's a series of choices and experiences that's led that person to that's that space and mm. if you can understand that you can from compassion doesn't mean to say you forgive and doesn't mean to say you there's not consequences um mm. but still mm. a human being that human being was created I think people just especially when it comes to the church and you know, I think it's important for them to start understanding that they need to allow people to just be who they're going to be without, you know, um, without necessarily agreeing with them. Like you don't have to, it's not like you're condoning, you're all whatever, not that I believe that it's the church's place to condone, but um, you're just letting people be who they're going to be mm. without interfering, mm. without causing such harm with the language you're using and, and, you know, marginalizing people and things like that, especially because they want to faith. Yeah. Um, so, hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we uh, a workplace scenario for you, Mino. Mm -hmm. 
that a co-worker asks an openly bisexual colleague why she's participating in the company's LGBTQ plus, LGBTQ plus resource group when she's dating a man. What would you do? That's such a weird question to, to me. Because I'm just like, well, do you not know what bisexual means? <laughs> like, it's just, I'm, yeah. Like, I think if they're bisexual, it doesn't matter who they're dating. Even if it looks like a heterosexual whatever, then um, it's not actually the case, is it? Because it's more about what they're identifying as than who they're dating right Mm. so um because it can there have been situations where like I don't know if you're if you're gay and you're dating a woman but the woman transitions and you still love them and you still want to be with them and the woman is now a male you know a man so technically from the outside it could look like you're in a hetero relationship so yeah, it's it's a thing. And the other way, women that were married to men that want to change and yeah. stay in that relationship. Exactly. Um, mm. I just think, if you think about it, mm. the, I know this is just me, isn't it interesting, right, that so much trauma, so much opinion about being a man and woman, who cares? And you might say, well, it's important. Why is it important? The only the only importance it has is reproduction. Yes. The only significance it has. And as long as and we've got lots of people in the world and we can and babies continue to be born. Mm. That's that's not an issue. Then whoop. Who what who cares? Yeah. Why do people make such a big deal out of it? That's what I don't understand. Yes. No, absolutely. I don't either. It's it's, it's that whole if you if you're letting people live with what makes them comfortable as long as it's not hurting other people. Like, what, exactly. what does it matter, you know? It's not hurting you, but it's not hurting anyone, but people have such strong opinions about it. I don't need to question where it really com- where that opinion's actually coming from. Yeah. Um, um, I did see a debate on some British TV recently, yeah. like a few weeks ago, about the whole gender-neutral bathrooms, though. Uh, and because that, pe- people use it as a like we're going to be abused or yes I don't mind gender neutral bathrooms as long as you've got a private cubicle yes however there was somebody on there arguing that in schools and things like that it's it's important um you know girls bathrooms and boys bathrooms because the fact that some people do get you know abused and things like that when like women and things like that when men are around like boys are around and so it's actually that bathrooms are sometimes an important safe space so Mm. um, you know so it's not okay to then this space where boys can come into and you know like and harass and things like that I get it I totally yeah that I was sort of like yeah I totally understand and actually I've been in gender neutral bathrooms there is one other thing and it it just feels a little bit because you know the men can use any cubicle and you're just like (laughs) yeah but the thing is well, they, I think, well, at least they have to queue as well. Yeah. Ever, there's, there's, never a bath, there's never a queue for the male, so it's always for the women's. Um, but on the other, these are the these practical things I don't like about it. Women are gross. They're wee everywhere. I want to use their toilet. Yes. That's, that's one of them. Honestly, yes. if I'm being yes. honest. I would least space where I'd be like, can we just have a girls and a boys and a gender neutral one? We're just yeah, know. we should have three options. I I'm think we should that. have three options. Yeah, you know. three options. Yeah, um, and I get I get the whole um safe space not to be harassed, yes. but they're specifically talking about women, right? Yeah, specifically. Yeah, women. but yeah. to me, I kind of put that in the argument with that women shouldn't be out alone at night. Women shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. because it's not safe. Yeah, and I think well, that's not. I think that's true. Mm. That can be true, but then we need to be doing something about the men's behaviour. Mm. We can't just constantly use these excuses yeah. for how things are and mm. put it responsibility on women to change how they behave and change how yeah. free they are. Yeah. We need to work on the men's side as well. Mm. Can't it can't just be all about that. Yeah. That that's how I feel about that topic. But interesting, the toilet thing. All right. 
we're we're uh, we're heading over the time time oh right okay yes okay <laughs> what would you do what would you do yes. i mean you hit the nail on the head with what you said it's not about um who she's dating it's about how she identifies right yeah, yeah. And, and this is what it says. It says, the question could make your bisexual colleague feel like she isn't welcome in the LGBTQI plus spaces. It may imply that she's actually heterosexual, undermining her identity and suggesting she isn't being truthful about herself. Um, you could say, you could show your support by saying that you're glad that she's attending the meeting. Yeah. And you may want to ask so what would you say to the person that said it what would you say to them yeah well I, I i think i would tell them about the whole it's not about you know who, who her partner is it's more about who she is so um i think you need to not close off spaces just because you're judging the outside or whatever so Mm. okay you may want to ask the offending co-worker why wouldn't she attend given that she's bisexual yeah, exactly. You could also refer to why it matters. So research shows that bisexual people often have their sexuality cast into doubt. Mm -hmm. This happens in part, and I bet it's on both sides as well. Yeah. This happens in part because people tend to feel comfortable placing others into more clearly defined categories like straight or gay. Sometimes people dismiss bisexual people as simply confused yeah. or greedy. I added that bit. <laughs> Today, as more millennial and Gen Z women come out as bisexual at work, biphobia is also on the rise. Mm. Yes. Well, back in the day when I was younger, I used to think that, <laughs> that bisexual people were just greedy. <laughs> mm. That's why I said it, because I yeah, remember that exactly. being a common, a common belief. Yeah. Um, I thought they were just sitting on the fence or something. Yes. Mm. Mm. I, I, I'm very attracted to not. I'm very attracted to the idea of the gen not not being binary. I'm I'm quite comfortable with my pronouns. She her quite comfortable identifying as a woman. Um, proud even. I think I'd be a great man as well. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be a terrible man. <laughs> I love being. I think I could be a great man as well. Um, I just think it's good to I like the idea of fluidity you don't have to be one or the other mm. you can be one or the other or mm. not identify as either I think that's all perfectly acceptable I think it helps break down um gender norms as well I would love to wear men's clothes sometimes I think that would oh. be easier what you know, do you mean things, you know like I don't know the pants and the shirts are just sometimes easier not half because the pockets are so deep and you can fit like you have to carry a handbag yeah exactly but also you know I just like the idea of wearing ties and whatnot so not that you can't you, you know, can you do just... that you know I was saying you can wear all that I, yeah, but... I mean high school except for the skirt you're pretty much dressed like a man <laughs> yeah. uh, well I mean I don't know about your school but I had to wear a uniform I had to wear a tie and a shirt you can do that you can yes exactly like so Mino. By the end of the year, I want to see you wore in a sari to work. <laughs> you wore in a suit, even if you to borrow it. Wear a suit, to wear a tie, borrow a tie. Wear a, wear a <laughs> Wear my brother's suit. Wear your brother's suit to work. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. So, see how you, I would just love to hear how that goes. No, oversized clothes are in, you know. So. Oh, tell me about it. That's, yeah, I've seen them everywhere. Yes. Oh. I love it. I love the clothes. I love the whole, I love the idea of, I know people don't do it for fashion, but I like the idea of being able to wear whatever you want. No matter I love what that. Yeah. I love that. Men in skirts. I, mm -hmm. I, I, you've got to watch that movie. It's so surreal. I'll send you the link. Yeah, it's a French movie where the man wakes up and everything's reversed, role reversed. So oh. women are the breadwinners. They still have the babies, but the men look after the babies. It's just oh. the society of the yes. world. It is so messes with your head. It's great. I love it. Wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> yeah, you've got to watch that movie. I'll send you a link. Okay. All right. We better wrap it up. Another great guest. Yes, indeed. That's amazing. I will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have as much fun with us today as we did. If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya!